Yeah. And, and if that's true, right, or if it's true that it feels like that, then all you can do is just register that you were a witness. Mm -hmm. And that's what all of this is about, right? It's just like, we're going to march to show that we were there. We witnessed it. Yeah, we we know what's happening. Yeah. And that's depressing. I mean, first of all, but it's also, I mean, to bring it back to the media thing, I mean, I, I feel like it's a big part of um, why, like, letterboxed and in, in all and social media in general have taken off is that you know it increasingly feels feels i don't know that this is true that you don't mm -hmm. get to have an opinion that matters if you're not in a certain class of our society mm -hmm. right? that feels like it's a class you know? yeah if you're not and it's like even if you're an upper middle class person or like you were born upper middle class Mm -hmm. you're never going to break in right you you have to be a person who went to the right schools or did the right thing or had the right dad who knew the right people that's all that it's about that's how you break in and if you don't get to break in your opinion doesn't matter but we've also invented all of these tools where you can scream into the void you are listening to fruitless a podcast hosted by me josiah sutton This is episode 25, Morbid Symptoms, featuring Jesse D. Goodman. Yeah, uh, it is the beginning of the new year officially uh we we did it we got through 2023 congrats everybody good work uh feels bad <laughs> it doesn't feel good it feels like yeah it feels like a year that was just going downhill the whole yeah. time and i'm hoping that that means this year will be yeah. like it's going up you know yeah we we started with near hyperinflation and ended with multiple genocides so <laughs> like not, it's not been a good fucking year <laughs> um somehow still better than 2022 i will yes. i will put that out there <laughs> i think i think you might be right yeah oh god uh, but i uh, i will say real quick welcome of course to fruitless and i am joined today by uh jesse goodman who i've been meaning to have on for a while actually ah uh, thank you good to be here uh yeah yeah um yeah. i i have a i have a uh scary confession to make which is that i don't think i've ever actually listened through a full fruitless episode before <laughs> i meant to and then we uh i have listened to i listened to mammonberg pretty religiously uh, yeah yeah i i don't think i've ever like maybe the capitalist realism one i might have listened to that one all the way through but I well yeah I think actually ever, i think like... that one was on vlvc so i think that was even on oh wow okay <laughs> no that's totally okay because i i was doing a really bad job promoting it in the beginning um, and so I feel like most people weren't that like even aware I was doing it, let alone if they oh, were okay, seeing it, yeah. they were just kind of like, uh, okay. And it was like September of last year that I was like actually started yeah. trying to get people to listen to it. So yeah, it's, it's been kind of a relaunch thing. So it's still kind of a new show, even though it's technically been around for like two years. It's cause right. like I've actually started now, like in September. You know I think I actually did listen to the um the eighteen eighteen forty eight episode. Oh, yeah. You did you did with Chris. That was good. Um but yeah, uh you. but yeah, um 
feels good feels good to be here um hell yeah hell yeah uh we're in 2024 and we're on fruitless and um yeah i I guess like the vague topic i i threw at you um was was like well okay so you pointed out we we both been writing sub stacks um kind of you know recently been sorry well you've been doing it for a while but you stopped right at one yeah yeah i um i started my sub stack um, I want to say it was the end of 2021. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think it was 2022 yet. Um, because I started it right when I graduated college. Um, I was in college through COVID. Um, pretty much Same. like COVID. Same. COVID hit yeah. like halfway through the time I was a sophomore, and like, um, I graduated at like I had one semester back where we were wearing masks. Um, yeah in in 2021 and then i i graduated at the end of that um so gotcha. and i i started the Substack as like um i had decided to take a year off uh between grad school and undergrad and mm-hmm. i uh just like wanted something to make sure i would keep writing and i wasn't wasn't ready to start my novel yet so i just uh yeah. started started uh substack because that's what everybody was doing uh at the end of and, 2021 <laughs> feels yeah. like um and uh nobody was using wordpress anymore ghost wasn't around yet so so i went with that and then i was fairly consistent with it for like a year and a half and then i started grad school and it was like no never didn't touch it for like forever and then came back a couple of months ago with um this new project that i'm doing which is just like monthly movie reviews that aren't really reviews they're just kind of spitballing mm-hmm. but um that's that's it's it's like an interesting overlap be, it, with between how yeah. we both did it because i i started my like main sub stack that it's like that i don't ever write on right now in in 2021 as well in the summer of 2021 and then uh burned out on it slowly would keep reviving it every once in a while and then my idea for like okay i'm gonna force myself to be writing weekly just to keep the habit was I had a separate, I launched a separate Substack, which I have now been actually keeping up and active. So I don't know if I ever talk about it on Fruitless, but yeah, check it out. But no, it's, it's, um, and it was like a media roundup. So just like, I was watching tons of movies. So I was like, well, I'll just try to write my thoughts about what movies I watched this last week and just put it on there or music I've been listening to or whatever. And that's kind of, you know, and then you, you've kind of like, yeah, return to Substack without that focus on like reviewing movies you're watching. So it's it's interesting that we kind of did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I moved uh, I moved to Pittsburgh, and in right. my neighborhood uh, there is like this old movie theater that uh, has like tickets for students for like seven dollars and fifty cents after like five o'clock nice. on Wednesdays. So I just I go see movies all the time, uh, and I was like, you know. This could be something I could do, you know, short little mm-hmm. things. Um, and it's fun and it keeps me from like killing myself. Uh, you yep. know, post postpones that because I have to get through the year that I, I promised I would I would complete. I would say I'd do this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so far I I have two. I mean, you've been doing the media roundups forever. Um, but I, I have two on my sub stack. One was on the holdovers and one was on poor things. Um, yeah. So if if you want to go read those, you can. Um, highly recommend. Yeah, them. I really want to see. I still haven't seen. I, I actually was really bad at seeing movies this year. Um, but I you you got me really wanting to see poor things. I wanted to see it just in so far as it was a Yorgos Lanthimos film. 
yeah i wanted to see it but uh you got me really sold on like really wanting to see it here soon it's it's the most sexually explicit movie i think i've seen in theaters um which oh, is really? which is like hard to say i guess because i'm a zoomer um so right. movies haven't really been sexual since i have been watching movies in theaters um i mean certainly you know no toplessness in harry potter right but like right right uh, <laughs> but like and the, the sex scenes are so weird um i mean they're not because yeah, it's like, i mean <laughs> well yeah i mean first of all they're they're super explicit and like weirdly kinky in like weird ways but but like the way that they're shot is very clinical and knowing knowing you are it's definitely intentional um oh yeah yeah have you yeah, have you yeah, watched uh dog tooth before i haven't watched dog tooth uh that I've one watched... has some like pretty <laughs> yeah. upsetting sexual scenes yeah <laughs> it isn't really upsetting i mean it's very like um there's there's nothing non-consensual that happens like off the sure top of my head. sure you know I, I mean there's there's nothing that's like weird it's all just um or there's nothing that's like bad right there's nothing that's like yeah. morally wrong that happens um there is an extended most of what i'm thinking of is this extended uh sequence where she's working as a prostitute mm-hmm. and it like shows very explicitly what she's doing as a prostitute and it's all these sort of like weird things she's doing for french noblemen and Oh God! <laughs> but she's like she's into it. Uh, obviously, like it, it depicts her as as being okay with everything that's happening to her. So you can't sure, be like, yeah. well, it's morally wrong. Um, but uh, the um, the the like the way it's shot is so like clinical and uninvolved that it's it's like creates this weird almost distancing effect where like. I mean, so much sexy in discourse, which I'm I'm sure that fruitless listeners are familiar with how mm-hmm. every two months or so we get a, a new uh, guy being like, oh, we should think about why no one has sex in movies anymore. And it's always yeah. like talking mm-hmm. about like basic instinct or, you know, whatever fucking Verhoeven movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Showgirls, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. And yeah, it's yeah. always like, what? Why doesn't anybody fuck anymore? Um, <laughs> um, yeah even uh even ross douthat i think yeah I yeah Ro- ross douthat wrote a book <laughs> i used to have a copy actually somewhere uh, yeah it's it's over there on my bookshelf um but uh yeah he's got a whole thing um only i i don't think his is about movies his is like about about zoomers teens yeah the teens aren't yeah, yeah. having enough sex um but like even about movies we get like even mark fisher had like bits yeah about about this stuff i mean it's been going on forever um and the sex scenes and poor things are extremely explicit but they're not passionate right like one of the things that like every commentator that i've ever read on like sex scenes is like well all sex scenes a are not explicit and b they're super clinical like people are, Mm -hmm. are uninvolved and like the i feel i mean my interpretation after watching it in theaters was like, oh, Yorgos is making some sort of commentary on this, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, um, we, he's shooting the scene in such a way that uh, the viewer is forced to confront that even though the characters are passionate, the camera is in some way dispassionate. And yeah. so it's like, even though we're trying to reachieve something it's whatever energy was there 
in the 70s and 80s is is long gone mm-hmm. um and 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 this even extends to like the character design stuff too because i mean the the other thing that you see like the hot takes about sex scenes that are all ultimately the same hot take uh too is they'll talk about like how bruce willis used to be a sex symbol right even yeah. even when he wasn't like roided up and now and now everybody's jacked all the time uh but nobody's horny um mm-hmm. I think that's actually like the name of one of those pieces that that everybody liked. Everybody's jacked, or everybody's uh, beautiful, uh, but nobody's horny. Whatever. Something yeah, like yeah, yeah. Everyone is everyone is uh, beautiful, but no one is horny. Um, I think that's the one on Blood Knife. But uh, they uh, like Emma Stone is like depicted like her her naked body is on screen so much that you become desensitized to it within like yeah 15 yeah. I mean, she's just she is constantly naked. Um, and so are all the men in the movie, like not, not most of the main men. Like, I don't think Mark Ruffalo shows hog, um, but a lot. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) People are demanding this Mark. Everybody Uh, wants him. (laughs) But, um, but like all the side characters and stuff, a lot of them, you know, there's a lot of male nudity too. Um, but all of them are, are depicted. They don't have like the superhero physique, like. Emma Stone mm-hmm. in particular, like they make her look paler than she is, um, oh, okay. and she's already a, and she's already like a a pretty fair skinned woman, but it's like mm. like pallid um, appearance, uh, and a lot of the dudes that she's hooking up with are, are you know dirty and uglied up and yeah sure sure um, that's really interesting so yeah yeah, yeah. fascinating movie I need to go see it again um, but then the holdovers yeah. also. Uh, Probably my film of the year. Probably think so. Yeah, either that or Asteroid City. And that would probably be my pick. Okay, yeah. Man, this is this has been, yeah, bad year for me seeing movies. Um, which is like uh real quick, I, I guess we should say like kind of a the kind of vague topic we have here is like, yeah, like we had said, you know, this this last year in movie consumption. Uh for you, you were actively going to theaters, right? For yeah, me, yeah. it was like just whatever my my interest was, and I've done a very bad job seeing movies this year, so which is kind of a bummer because I I do I do like Asteroid City looks really great, uh, Killer of the Flower Moon. I think it's 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 embarrassing. I have nothing to say about Barbie or Oppenheimer. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I actually did Barbenheimer. Um, you did you did it? That was that was the first thing I did when I moved to Pittsburgh. Um, what actually was I? I went and saw Barbie, and then uh, I uh, was like, you know, they also have Oppenheimer. They have a showing of Oppenheimer at like nine twenty. I could, I could just see the mm-hmm. late night Oppenheimer, and I had to be up at like eight a.m. the next morning. But I was like, I could see Oppenheimer, and then I couldn't like get the thought out of my head. So mm-hmm. I just, I just did it. Um, so I, was, I didn't get out of the theater until like midnight because the show itself didn't start until like nine forty-five. Uh, was Barbenheimer worth it? No, (laughs) (laughs) it does sound like just a weird time to mash up those movies, which I know is the bit, but also like, I don't know. Well, it, um, I think it originally started. The idea was Warner, was it Warner brothers that did Barbie or was it the other way around? Did Warner, did Warner do out? Uh, I think one of them did Barbie, Barbie. Yeah. 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 Cause, cause Warner and christopher nolan have hated each other for like years right um i'm I'm pretty sure at least the like the rumor is that barbie was designed to fuck over oppenheimer by being like they, so bright and colorful or whatever 
like no just light. just by being like a major ip that was gonna oh on the okay same dropping day. at the same time okay got it yeah as like a you know a three-hour biopic of a guy who nobody's ever heard of you know? right yeah i've never heard unless of you're like a freak <laughs> <laughs> I, you know one thing is like i i know that it, it was really successful that pairing it seems like but and, and this is one of those cliches but i think it is it, it like kind of become a cliche already to say it but like i, I do think the studios are learning like gonna learn the long wrong lesson for how successful that was um that it's yeah. like oh, okay we just gotta do more of these ironic mashups and that's that's it. That's how people are going to go to movies, and not like, well, okay, no, two auteurs got to release movies that on the was same the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like the Nolan fanboys are going to go see Nolan no matter what, and I include myself in that, right? Like mm -hmm. his next movie, I'm going to go see it, and I'm probably going to go see it twice. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like all the people who go see every Ridley Scott movie. Even mm -hmm. though Ridley Scott has never <laughs> released just... a good movie <laughs> in theaters, like it's becoming a slow diminishing kind of return yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, like you know, all of the all of the freaks who were like, "No, you just don't get it about Tenet." They're yeah. all going to go see Oppenheimer, and Oppenheimer's going to turn a profit. Like it's going to be right. fun, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and Barbie was always going to make a ton of money because it's a live action Barbie movie. Yeah. Yeah, people are gonna go see it. Um, conservatives are mad that like Greta Gerwig did it, but you know if if they had handed it over to you know I don't know I can't think of any like I'm so brain poisoned I can't can't think of any like normal film directors I can only think I, about people who've trended on Twitter in the last three years. Right, exactly. No, um, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean because. I think like for me from, you know, and again, I haven't seen Barbie, but from like the kind of reception it got, I think what the takeaway should be is like, look, if we're going to be doing these IP projects anyway, at least start like bringing in interesting directors. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if the corporate thing is going to have to happen, at least have interesting people behind them, you know? Uh, well, that's, that's what Marvel did. And, and we mm. saw how well that worked out. Cause like, that right. was the whole idea behind giving Chloe Zhao a marvel mm. movie was like you know she she did the oscar nominated i forget if nomadland won didn't it yeah or something like that it, yeah, it, it, yeah it, it i know it got received yeah 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 it, it, it was it was at the oscars i can't remember if it won or not but like uh nomadland uh did extremely well so they were like okay we're gonna get this lady to do our our you know three hour superhero movie about this mm. one obscure team who oh. nobody but the real fans have heard of and it it did terribly yeah that's true so maybe it isn't a perfect method here um because yeah yeah because that was eternals right i, I mean yeah. big thing with eternals though is it just looks like shit yeah which is weird because <laughs> nomadland is such a beautiful movie well it, you know and i think i think part of that you, you know i don't know to what extent that was like studio interference that caused it to look like that you know what i mean yeah like well, that that's the other thing about the big IP projects too. Is it really doesn't matter who the director is if the um, the studio is just gonna like ruin everything, you know? Right, which is you know becoming their kind of seeming strategy, which is you know uh, come in and mostly force them to do whatever you want, but then if people get mad about it, then blame the director. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, apparently, in the case of um, whatever the most recent, the marbles. 
the most recent one that like oh, yeah. bombed bombed they're like blaming the young girl actress yeah that's right yeah which is fucked in its in its own way um but god well um let's see there's a couple ways we could do it do you you mentioned going like through the year do you want to try to do that like we start at the beginning and work our way through or what yeah um i, yeah. I mean we could we could do our ins and outs um okay you, yeah uh just sort of loosely um i mean what was what were your favorite things that you you did this year um like like with let's see like films i've seen and stuff like that or just in general like live uh i mean either either or i mean what is <laughs> what is life if not consumption, consumption? <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> yeah well i mean i mean the personal personal like maybe producing wise stuff was like um you know uh the zombie video essay i did last year was was something oh, yeah. i was really really proud of and yeah and then just kind of actually getting fruitless up and running again rather than just being the podcast that you know uh everyone forgets i have <laughs> like it actually it has a patreon and it uh uh makes enough money to pay for my patreon subscriptions to other podcasts <laughs> nice nice yeah <laughs> that's that's genuinely actually pretty impressive <laughs> <laughs> I, I am making uh, uh even i'm but uh yeah i mean i mean that's the personal stuff but yeah i mean movies i've been having a hard time because of how many movies i watched uh mm -hmm. this year which i don't think i'm gonna do next year i think it was just something about well we mentioned like 22 sucking and then 23 has sucked in just like a lamer way and i think you know i just started like watching a lot of movies because everything sucked yeah <laughs> it's like that was the art form i could just kind of channel myself into ease with um it's almost because because i mean i know that you you like film snobby people will get mad if i say it's a passive art form because they'll be like well no you're at, you need to actively watch it engage with it and that's true but also it it feels like something that you put it on and it happens to you rather than like reading yeah. and as i've just been i don't know admittedly very depressed the last few years movies have just been easier because i just kind of witnessed them you know what i mean yeah yeah well i mean that's that's like the, first of all the only people who I hear who are like, you have to be actively engaged watching movies all the time are like the worst kind of like NYU Tish, you know, <laughs> fucker. You know? Like, right, right. It's, it's the absolute worst kind of people who are <laughs> the most annoying, the most annoying guy in your intro to philosophy class. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that that's like kind of, I feel like that's more broadly responsible for like, this weird return to film mm -hmm. enjoyment that I've just kind of noticed more broadly. Like, yeah, the, like it feels like, I mean, this is entirely vibes based. I have no, no, like, no, no data hard, hard reason <laughs> to believe this, but it does feel like people are getting like back, particularly into like exploitation film and art house stuff yeah well yeah i mean you you could maybe say that the middle brow has been dominant for so long that there's a rebellion right now and so people are either like for me anyway my taste has really become like no i either want like godard or like a sexploitation movie from 1971 <laughs> yeah 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 nobody's <laughs> and even like the old middle brow yeah is coming back which it, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. really interesting. It's like you're you can like the Zeitgeist is middle brow movies from like before 2004. Mm -hmm. uh, but like if if somebody releases like some middle brow stuff contemporaneously and it's not Hayao Miyazaki, yeah, take them out back. 
Shoot yeah, you're you know, they, yeah, you're out. <laughs> well, and I think I think in general, like genre movies were becoming middle brow. And I think that's that's uh, uh Phil Chrisman has a really good essay about this, um, actually, of like um we're, we've been at a place where like genre films were in this like middle brow, like Marvel kind of, I feel like, you know, kind of yeah. this and stuff like that, you know, and it, it's a really, it's a really good essay. Actually. I, I wish I had the book in front of me right now, but he talks about like, Oh, what is, it's a great line. He, he, he says like the, the modern American myth is footloose. We're not allowed to enjoy our things unless we can make up a snobby critic that hates it. And so like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's so true yeah it's you know he's like everything is a quote-unquote guilty pleasure right now but no one's actually guilty about what they're watching you know yeah um and so yeah i don't know for for me it has been a rebellion of like going back to like 80s and 70s like old shitty genre movies and then even like modern shitty genre stuff as well even just like more an attraction to the gutters of cinema i don't know yeah no i I get that. Actually, the next essay that I'm planning is the the three movie musicals uh, that just mm. came out. Um, mm -hmm. Like Wonka, Mean Girls, the musical is about to come out, and the Color Purple musical. Okay, all all have come out. All look really bad. Wonka <laughs> is is really bad. I can I can confirm. Uh, oh God, the music the music is genuinely pretty good. They got the guy from the Divine Comedy to do the music, but okay, like it, it's like exceedingly obvious auto-tune all over the place and like Ugh. weird dead-eyed cgi animals it's it's awesome it rocks it's <laughs> it's so it's so it's cats it's like not as good cats <laughs> is is wonka not as good cats is a really strange pitch because that built into that that's like an armand white sentence because yeah. you you know where it's you know where he'll be like you know, this is almost as bad as Citizen Kane. And you're like, what? Wait, because it's like got a loaded premise in it that you're yeah, suddenly like, yeah. wait, 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 what do you mean? Like, he didn't actually say that, but you know, something like that. You just be like, well, it's not as good as cats. It's like, wait a second here. Yeah. <laughs> well, like if you want like bad, bad movies that are good again, because they're the, so bad. Strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I cried watching cats the first time. <laughs> I'd had I'd had three glasses of wine and it was the height of COVID and um, the uh, the Ian McKellen cat guy yeah, yeah. who is the one that they like added in. I don't think he's in this stage show. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think his song was like cut from the stage show and added back in for the musical movie. And he like gets up and he does this like thing about how he's so old. And I was like, oh, my God. I like I remember turning to my roommate and being like Jordan this is so sad. <laughs> he was like what are you talking about? Oh man. Well, I I am excited to read about your your uh the musicals here. Um Yeah. Yeah, what are what are your uh what, what was it? Um ups and downs, is that what you're saying? Something like that? Ups and downs. I mean, I started grad school, so that yeah, is that's that good. is both I feel like um, I definitely right. feel like I'm way yeah, more yeah. annoying than I was 6 months ago. Uh, I'm, I'm a worse i'm a worse person you're a worse yeah uh the national released two albums that i thought were both really good uh oh, okay yeah um i mean okay the first one the first one retrospect i don't think was as good i went back to it a while ago and i was like eh, you know it had some some really good songs on it mm -hmm. um the second one has i think their best song ever uh which i would pick as my my top song of the year uh, smoke detector by the national um okay. i li i listened to way more music this year 
I will say I actually listened to way watched way less movies um, okay. than I did in 2022. I think um, mm. I watched better movies. I'll say I spent I spent a lot less time just watching like random crap with my parents and like spending okay. a lot more time picking picking stuff out that I wanted to watch. Part of part of which had to do with like starting grad school. Yeah, yeah. Because music. Not- Music is one of those things that you can like listen to it while you're like cleaning your apartment or something and still have an active experience. Yeah. In a way like it is. I mean, music is like film in that it's both an active and a passive. Like, yeah, yeah. It's also nice to just have in the background and you don't have to focus on it, but also it's it it could be both. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think it's way easier to like have an active experience listening to music while doing passive uh passive yeah. work um especially i was working as a janitor for the first half of the year oh um, yeah so while i was doing that it was uh, i could just kind of listen to stuff um but i did a lot of driving because i was traveling back mm-hmm. and forth while i was moving and and stuff but um mj lenderman having a breakthrough a uh, huge day for uh kind of weird looking guys uh, everywhere i think uh <laughs> he put he put out a really really good live record that would be a top and uh caroline polachek's album uh desire okay. i want to turn into you came out like in like january of 2023 i think um i'm gonna yeah look I, that I, I yeah i think you're right because I, I remember it being about the beginning of this year which is insane because it feels like so long ago um so we yeah february 14th 2023 um mm-hmm. when did bunny as a writer come out Oh, okay. And the first the first song from it came out in 2021, though. That's oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, but uh, yeah, the the Polachek record was was really good too. Those would those would be my my picks probably. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Um, uh, and uh, I mean, there was a good Mountain Goats album that came out. Um, yeah. The Turnpike so... Troubadours came back for those of you interested in country music with a mostly middling new album. But it's good mm. to see that that guy's sober now. Uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, I uh, I don't know. Twenty twenty three was such a weird year. I mean, yeah. both in my personal life because I started it as a janitor and ended it as a grad student, which is like yeah, that is <laughs> like polar one eighty. Um, but also, it was like uh, it was a weird year to like. I think I said this before uh we started recording but it like started mm-hmm. with like near hyperinflation and ended with multiple genocides yeah like ukraine yeah. was at war for a year already when the when the when or like yeah. six months or something when the no yeah it had been it had been a year because it was in it, it had been a year because it was it was no it was 22 but it's the very beginning of 22 it was like i okay. believe february yeah so like we started the year off with ukraine being at war for almost a year and we ended it with like multiple genocides happening in Armenia and Palestine. Yeah. Uh, and that's just like the ambient psychic noise of that. Yeah. That that's what I, cause that's the thing that I I've kept coming back to with the media roundups is like, you know, I started it initially being kind of a silly, like, okay, here's what I've been watching or whatever. But the problem is like, my mind is still on like the politics stuff. And so yeah. like, I, I don't, I, it would just end up weaving the two in not always the best way, but that was just constantly what I was stuck doing on those, those sub stack pieces. Cause, um, 
it's just it's really hard to be like uh here's a french new wave movie i watched or something when there's a genocide taking place yeah it really is um i mean particularly when like i mean we live in a world where i don't think anton yeager came up with the term but but mm -hmm. he used the term hyper political to talk about it yeah right um which that's a really really good essay that everyone should read uh called everything is hyper political in uh the point magazine nice. but he uh like uses the example of you two going and playing miss sarajevo in uh mm -hmm. in sarajevo during the war and all yeah. the serbian and all the local serbians being like you know this is great but come on man you know we can right you you get to go home and and part of the way that politics has changed and dissolved is that it just kind of permeates everything now mm -hmm. right like there is there is no element of our lives that is not in some way engaged with politics and yet nothing is engaged with politics because nothing that we do actually matters like impacts it or changes the system but everything yeah. feels like tied in or connected to it yeah yeah absolutely um so it it is really hard to like walk around and be like you know i loved poor things uh i mean maybe i've i've felt the the impact of the the i mean you can't even call it a war in palestine right but like mm -hmm. the conflict in, in gaza um kind of kind of strangely because i live in a jewish neighborhood which is right next okay. to a the, the i don't i don't know this for certain but definitely like my neighborhood has one of the highest jewish populations in america mm -hmm. so there's there's a lot of pro-israel sentiment just in my like day-to-day -day life like walking to the grocery store i pass hostage posters mm. and, and and stuff um, and then if i walk into the adjacent neighborhood um i don't think that it's the number one muslim population area in pittsburgh but it's a really but it's high, up there it's sure. a really high muslim population relative to the rest of the city um because there's so many students and people who work in medicine there it's where university of pittsburgh is mm -hmm. um and like so walking from like one neighborhood to another is just like light light years difference in how everything is treated and it's like a real interesting example of how just consensus reality doesn't seem to exist yeah well and it's you have and, the the diasporas are both, you know, like engaged in this conflict from afar. Yeah. Yeah. They're both living out this, this conflict vicariously in, in some mm -hmm. sense, like they're, they're both to the extent that like both of them are involved. I mean, it's, it's, um, I mean, I've met people on, on both sides of it who are like, yeah, my cousin is in the IDF or my cousin is trapped in Gaza and we haven't heard from her in five days yeah in in ways that are like really hard to quantify i think for anyone who does not experience that sort of diaspora mm -hmm. identity um but it is very much like it's in the air yeah. you know it's it's like there are the like little psychic particles coming off of that and radiating off of off, off of everything are just you know literally in like the the geography of of the city you know as i'm mm -hmm. living in it are uh making everything seem permeated by conflict in a way that like simultaneously the armenian 
you know, uh, the uh, ethnic cleansing in Nagorno-Karabakh just doesn't mm-hmm. seem to exist. And the war in Ukraine doesn't seem to be happening anymore, as people have forgotten yeah. about it. Yeah, it's it's yeah, that that's that's really interesting because yeah, there there is kind of like there there are some conflicts that seem to be in the air and others that aren't. And I, you know, I I don't have a good answer for why Israel Palestine is the one right now. Maybe, you know, I mean, probably just the US's involvement is a big part of it, but like um yeah, it it feels like this conflict is is just been in the air in a way that other ones haven't like at least yeah. i mean since since us being actually at war honestly i i have not felt this like weight of the air being political since like i mean i was a kid during like the war on terror frankly, yeah you know yeah yeah i i don't think the only thing i can say that i've i've felt that like remotely resembled it was the 2016 mm-hmm. election yeah yeah right because i grew up in as as i know you did too uh grew up in trump country um, and there was like, there was a weird energy to all that. Yeah, that okay. wasn't even that, like, that's replicated. a good point. That wasn't even like replicated in 20, 2020 other than like mm-hmm. around the insurrection, which insurrection day was yesterday. Oh yeah. Insurrection as, day. As we're recording, um, yeah. timely, but, uh, it feels, it feels like that, like, it feels like there's these weird insurgent energies Mm-hmm. Like it materially, we are nowhere near Weimar. No, I think no. Like, like you know, we're 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 gonna be okay. At least mm-hmm. I think we're gonna be okay. But like vibes wise, I get why people <laughs> keep saying like late Weimar. You know. Yeah. Well, there's a real uh, there's a there's a bloodlust in the air that unnerves yeah. me. You know. There's a. I don't know. There's a, a, um, this is going to make me sound like a total lib. Um, but it, it, I think there's truth to it. There is a, uh, absolute universal sense of, uh, institutional failure, like that, like the, the norms of democracy or whatever just don't really matter. And there's like a sense that that's kind of like, everyone just kind of knows that now I'm, I'm to be clear i'm not saying the institutions were good or that the norms were good but i can say like them dissolving still feels really weird <laughs> well it, the institutions don't have to be good for them to like function right you know like I, you know we might be living in you know, the most one of the most unequal states in the world, and you know, prison rates may be high, but at least the trash is getting collected. You know, mm-hmm. right, like right. like every like your day to day life is not being impacted, and it's beginning to feel like day to day life is being impacted in a way that I haven't felt it since 2016. Yeah, it's like seeping I, into everything. Yeah, I had um, I I knew somebody through um my church which um growing up growing up evangelical it's really really interesting being in a you know live mainline denomination now where yeah. there some of the elderly people were like hippies at one point or something you know because they're more likely to be you know i wouldn't say far left but on the vague left you know in the right, kind of right. liberal mainline denominations and um anyway i there was uh somebody i was talking to uh, a priest actually who she, you know, she was a, uh, uh, some sort, at least, at least somewhat active in the sixties and seventies with the protest movements and stuff. And 
what she said has like fucked with me. And I don't know if I've said this on fruitless before or not. So I might be retelling something, but she made a comment where she said today feels a lot like the late sixties, early seventies today feels a lot like that again. But the only difference is that period had all the, all the hate, the, you know, all the hatred, all the sense that things are about to cave in. But there was also like that hippie optimism, you know, there was Woodstock. There was a sense that, well, if we all came together, we could fix this. Yeah. In the modern acid, era. Acid communism, if you will. But yes, but as the modern era here is like that period without the hope, without the Woodstock. And that is the most fucking haunting thing an older person has told me. <laughs> yeah. Somebody who was yeah. alive for that era, you know what I mean? Like Well, you know what's fucking crazy is uh you know, we've got an unpopular. I mean, he's not a wartime president in the same way that LBJ was a wartime president. No, but, right? but like, he's we're got not... he's got Ukraine and he, Israel got, happening. Yeah. Two all of which is unpopular. People, wars, maybe I don't know. Yeah, if word. I, yeah. I I don't I don't think we should call Gaza a proxy war. Um, uh, proxy in part genocide because it's like yeah yeah. I mean, the thing about I I think I have a, a kind of unpopular take about Biden's relationship to Israel, which, which seems to be that he, I don't, I don't think it's like a proxy war because definitely like killing thousands upon thousands of people in Gaza is not doing anything for like U S uh, mm -hmm. material interests. I mean, like Ukraine. Yeah. That's a proxy war in the sense that we're like at war mm. with Russia. Um, but it seems to me that like, uh, Biden's relationship to Israel is along the lines of like 20th century special relationship type stuff where it's, mm -hmm. you know, because of the legacy of, you know, the relationship to the Jewish people in world war two, we have to protect Israel at all costs. Um, mm -hmm. you know, no matter what, they're just, they're our friends in the same way that like great Britain is our friend that we have to protect mm -hmm. um which just is not a political reality for anyone on the left who is under the age of like 65 anymore but unfortunately yeah. biden is in his 80s um so we're yeah. just gonna well I, yeah i think you're right because i i think there no i don't think there is an american geopolitical like anything they're actually getting out of this war with gaza what they have is though a material interest in continuing to support israel as an american foothold in the middle yeah. east and so then i think that is i think that fits what you're saying though where like you know uh biden is cynically supporting the genocide in gaza because he has to continue supporting this state for geopolitical reasons, which yeah. I think is almost more coldly evil. It's not like a um, violent revenge fantasy or something. It It is just a cold numbers based. Well, we got to back them. Yeah. And, and it, I guess we'll they'll do what they want. Yeah. And it, it is interesting how I mean, Biden and Blinken have to some degree indicated to Netanyahu apparently you know that like hey we don't we don't like that you're doing this but it's it's very clear that they're not going to do anything to stop it you know besides sending people over and you know you know sort of wagging the figure finger at Netanyahu but but a big part of that is also just um I mean I don't know much about Israeli domestic 
politics, but my understanding is that the war in Gaza is extremely popular and people want it to continue in Israel in in such a way that like even if all U.S. aid were cut tomorrow, yeah. it's unclear, particularly with the state that Gaza is now in. Uh, it's it's unclear that anything would would stop, which is probably the most horrifying part is that mm-hmm. just that things are now in motion that that cannot and that cannot be stopped if anybody wanted them to. And none of the people in power want them want to stop. To. Yeah. And see, and see, um, I feel like this conversation has just captured the exact problem that um, we've been facing here with like, like I was talking about with the Substack, but just in general, this kind of like discourse about media right now is like, <laughs> now, how do we go back? You know what I mean? After yeah. the, what we just discussed, you know what I mean? And, and it feels like every strand, anytime I'm even talking about a movie, it just goes back to like this background thing that we just all know is taking place right now. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And it's, it's, you know, all of this is happening in the background of now an election year, you know, we've reached mm-hmm. 2024 and it's going to be Trump versus Biden too. You know, mm-hmm. I don't even want to call it electric boogaloo. It just sucks. It, it Yeah, it does. <laughs> it, it is. It is uh, 2020, but worse. Uh <laughs> 2020 but biden is gonna have to campaign in person four years older um yeah right <laughs> 20, um, 2020 but with no bernie figure yeah 2020 Tw- no bernie so no sense uh, of hope like oh we might be able to do it guys we might yeah. be able to save the republic <laughs> i don't i don't think anything has felt right since super tuesday in 2020 like, no <laughs> um, no oh and man. Yeah, just to further the LBJ comparison, guess where the DNC is going to be held this summer? Where? I actually don't know this. It's in Chicago. Oh my God, really? Yeah, yeah. Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. So we've got an unpopular wartime president uh, facing an extreme discontent from the left-wing youth of his own party who will be having a DNC in Chicago where he will not be a contested candidate but he will be facing a contest because I'm sure that there's going to be some sort of ma- massive protest event, you know, considering what people were able so. to do in DC <clears throat> a few months ago. I mean, I had, I had friends who bust to DC uh, from Pittsburgh to go to, I the, mean, uh, you, you got March. me, you got me considering whether I want to make that drive at the very least yeah. just to be there to see what happens. Cause I mean, it, it's really close to me. It's like five hours. From yeah. Me. I've, I've, I've considered going, uh, just to be there. It's like the week before my classes start next year. Mm. Um, really, really weird, like pre-May 68 vibes just going on everywhere. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. And I don't know what to to make of it, because I think I have a cynical part of me that kind of feels like, well, this is just kind of how things feel now. And, you know, the there isn't going to be a big explosive year. But, you know, I also have a real dooming side of myself as well. That's like, well, I think this is the year everything falls apart. And I just don't know what to make of those two kind of conflicting impulses in my head. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's this is almost certainly going to be like the last gerontocracy presidential election for a while. Yeah. Because like all of the people who are stepping up to be the next set of like leadership figures in each party are middle aged. Um. And there's, I mean, if Biden's what, 82? Something like that. Yeah. 
old as shit. Um. Yeah, well, he's (laughs) if he wins, he turns out he's 81. Okay, he'll be 82 in November. So yeah, if if he wins, he will be an 82 year old president, Uh, and he'll be turned out, and and he can't win. And at 86, um, there's yeah, I can't think of an established Democratic figure who would be able to step in to run as being like Mm -hmm. who is his generation. I mean, like the next oldest set of people i can think of are like kamala or kamala yeah yeah um, and uh i mean on the republicans like desantis is like 45 yeah yeah there yeah, is uh the, the new generation is finally kind of switching over here in the last few years it kind of feels like unfortunately uh, they are for the most part also awful well right because the problem <laughs> is it's not like it's not like okay now the millennials are taking over it's like now we're getting gen x yeah, we're getting Great. the most. Awesome. We're getting the most useless generation. We're getting the Richard Linklater generation <laughs> taking the reins. Finally, <laughs> they've been waiting for their parents to die for so long, <laughs> which is an interesting parallel to uh, you know what's going on in, in media too. Mm-hmm. Which is that like um, we do have a ton of like boomer artists of all kinds still dominating. I mean, mostly in ways that are like beneficial to the world, mm-hmm. like Martin Scorsese and Bob Dylan, like still doing work. Yeah. still doing good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Still doing good. Why couldn't they be in politics? You know, I mean, genuinely, uh, <laughs> I, I'd vote I for mean, Dylan. Like, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd vote, I'd vote uh, for Marty. I think. Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd vote for Marty for president after the ending of killers of the flower moon. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a, that's a guy that understands a lot of the worst parts of America. I don't think he would want to be a politician is the problem. I don't think he would No, And it, it would be a Bernie situation where like, there's no world in which Bernie as president does not wind up commanding at least one drone strike you know yeah right well because the system is yeah yeah which i will say for biden he he has like accomplished enough things that if it weren't for the you know massive blemishes on his record that are going to completely fuck him up with young people at the polls uh he has done enough had enough like minor quiet accomplishments that i would otherwise be really happy to vote for him if he weren't mm-hmm. you know gonna be 82 on election day yeah yeah i i, I do like, agree with that. like well, ending, ending the drone war you know making minor progress on climate change mm-hmm. i'd be like okay if this is our guy we have to vote for him unfortunately he is uh funding a genocide so yep Yep. Well, um, okay, here's how we can slowly work our way back. You know, one thing I was thinking about, if we're talking about this, you know, 2023 in media, you know, that also kind of could be social media here, right? So, like, what about that? We, you know, we're both pretty online, I'd say. How is how is this year in social media? You know, actually, this this really does tie tie into the politics thing, because I I wanted to say this earlier when we we were discussing, like, why does this feel ambiently worse than than ever before and it's like social media is Mm -hmm. you know it's partially that we're both incredibly online and like i'm ocd and like you know everything is like you know obsessive um so i mean that's a big part of it but that's also a big part of like youth polarization too Mm -hmm. um and and it is interesting uh i i feel i mean this might be the thing that gets me canceled uh is that I mean there is disinformation about the war in Gaza going on being spread in left wing spaces, mm-hmm. not the way there was about Ukraine, but it's like it is present. It's there. 
sure, it's there yeah. it's there enough that like the you know your lisa simpson cousin is like seeing it and falling for it it's yeah. there enough that like i mean you and i were talking about that one like christian influencer lady who has gone completely off the rails yeah yeah and i mean like, like now now doing like the protocols of the elders of zion but woke yeah th there is um you know i i i i think that like there's been a tendency to act like there isn't any anti-semitism on the left um rather than i mean like i i do think that like right-wing anti-semitism is significantly more pronounced and there and it's annoying that it's just getting ignored now um yeah yeah but yeah. on the flip side to act like there isn't like some of it floating around like it it's there i i mean i have a twitter account i've read fucking people like resurrecting the Khazar theory of jews like yeah um, i i it's there uh or it like, sucks uh, or like the brie newsome and and her little posse of like woke uh dei instructors being mm -hmm. like the doctor plot again yeah right yeah. like i can't i can't trust my zionist doctor it's like great you know we've we've just resurrected the soviet use of of zionist to you know yeah. refer to jews i mean a big part of that though is just that i mean i i think that like this has always been the case like i'm gonna do put my little philosophy grad student hat and be like on and, and be like you mm. know, plato you know called all of this when he was talking about like how democracy works but it is mm -hmm. like true that a lot of people are just not discerning enough about information to be able to function in a democratic society. And the thing about social media is that it has amplified that to the point where everyone's stupid opinions are in your face all of the time. Mm -hmm. And if you're the sort of person who, which apparently is like a huge chunk of young people in particularly and also old people it's polar it's age polarized right mm -hmm. um we're the only good age yeah yeah well <laughs> i i'm i'm very close i am very I am close too. in age with zoomers um well you like you the, and i i think you and i are the same about no, about almost the exact I'm, no how old I'm are like you three, I, I was born in 2000 i'm like three years younger than you jesus i didn't know that i actually yeah. did not know <laughs> yeah, that okay I, I will be 24 in like a month. Um, okay. Okay. I'm 26 and we'll be 27 later this year. Okay. Got yeah. It. I um, mean, I, I would so still say like, roughly I'm, the same age category though. Yeah. I would yeah, say. Yeah. 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 Where uh, I'm, I'm old enough to remember a time before everyone had a cell phone. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, and it's like, you know, it's, it is cliche to be like, uh, you know, the, the zoomers on TikTok who don't, you know follow the news but it, it's like true you know mm -hmm. i mean if you're if you're getting your news from tiktok you're not you're not getting the news like you need you need to learn to read <laughs> i'm sorry yes. because if you don't you will start doing the doctor plot again right right <laughs> but well, well and and, and uh, yeah and i mean i don't know i feel like with the nature like i, I feel like i uh like a tinfoil hat to say this it's like tinfoil hat shit to say it but like it is just true like people fuck with these algorithms and like not not like tiktok is fucking with them for chinese conspiracies or what not like that but i mean yeah, like yeah, people yeah. intentionally stir shit up like i am almost certain 
we're like a year out from finding out like some troll group that was responsible for the like random Osama bin Laden praise that started happening on TikTok a month or two ago. Like I, I oh, just Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, you remember that? Okay. Yeah, okay. I, I memory hold that one. That, no, they uh, were all uh, like they all read his letter to America and you know, it was critical of American Empire. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Nobody has apparently ever read any criticisms of American Empire before, so they thought it was really fantastic. Um, well, they they have read them. They just read them as text on some like weird uh, TikTok video that also had subway uh, subway surfers going in the background right. for some fucking reason, and they were like, then they read the Osama bin Laden thing because it's only like three paragraphs, and they were like, oh. Yeah yeah exactly it's just like yeah I, 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 but like i i wouldn't be surprised if some troll group is responsible for that or oh something. yeah, yeah you yeah. know what i mean like yeah. or going going back and reading the protocols of the elders of zion and thinking god damn these guys uh they they were yeah. really onto something oh the they were real decolonial Fuck yeah shit <laughs> yeah, so that right. that shit scares me my only hope is that this yeah. is just like a um whether well, it's just young problem and that by the time they you know we're just seeing the stupidest opinion because you know i remember the yeah, stupidest I, shit i both said and heard when i was like a 13 14 year old on tumblr okay like i remember that shit yeah and so i do know that there's some degree that that's probably what's happening with tiktok now yeah but then like i meet people who are like 25 and following for this stuff and, like i don't know yeah i don't yeah like i do think a big part of it's an age problem particular but like mm. the age problem thing is like twitter people who are mostly right wing i think mm -hmm. like it's like 4chan 13 14 year olds uh, oh, i feel like the tiktok thing really does cross age boundaries mm -hmm. i mean that's the, the lady that's the lady um i have no idea how i pronounce her name but i think it's sarah rao um, yeah yeah. yeah, she uh, she was the one who posted the like doctor's plot, the like you can't trust Zionist. Yeah, that that's true. Thing. Yeah, th and no, those were she's like up. fifty. <laughs> you yeah. are an adult. No, I'm sure that a significant amount of the people being like, oh, so true, were twelve. But I'm also sure that a significant amount of them were like way too old to be falling for that. falling for this, because yeah. it's all the same people who are also like, I was never taught about the Trail of Tears in my high school history class. And it's like no you were like yeah like, i was there there are, there are case there are cases where like okay yeah like the the there definitely isn't enough indigenous history in american curriculums of course there is not enough like labor history but when somebody's like i didn't know that the civil war was caused by slavery i'm like okay that was you not paying attention in class yeah you were you just that smoked was... <laughs> you you were smoking pot before your first period history <laughs> class like that's what happened there yeah well, I didn't know the Trail of Tears happened. Really? Because that's like yeah. the only one they usually talk about. <laughs> like the only indigenous issue that classrooms talk about. Yeah, that's how to say uh, I do. Yeah. So like the ambient uh, ambient psychic horrors, I think, are coming from the screen. You know, they're mm -hmm. they're emanating from from there. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's it's um I think that's actually a big part of why um why everything feels so terrible is like the end of any sort of consensus reality which mm -hmm. i mean we've we've known that since like literally since well before the storming of the capitol in 2021 
Well, I mean, right, postmodern like, theorists were saying that about like the '90s. Like, this has been yeah. coming for a minute. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I, it's hard to say when, like, we if there's a definitive moment that it's like over. Yeah, but it's like 2023. It's it it's, seems over. Yeah. Well, people, I'm I'm old enough and have a long enough memory to remember when people were talking about the vibe shift in like 2022. You know. Mm-hmm in 2021 and people were people have made fun of that for years but i do i I do think that like the vibe shifted at some point and i think that 2023 was the first year like that the vibe had definitively shifted before the year started and the year was just a deluge of shit in the new vibe (laughs) and now we're in 2024 (laughs) yeah and we're in and I have two. no idea what's coming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I mean you could maybe say something like there was a cultural reset that took place in 2020 and that it's really only been starting to come out in the last few years just how much has like shifted. Yeah. I mean you always had hints, right? Like Yeah. The the number like I was living in Nashville during the the pandemic. So I can I can remember feeling like living like I was as a person who lived there, who was. Yeah, I mean, I, I was a milquetoast social Democrat at that point, too. So I guess I was about the same <laughs> same politics that I mm-hmm. that I have now. Um, But like as a person who was like wearing a mask to work and, and stuff yeah. and like voting, planning to vote for whoever won the Democrat primary uh, and all all of that. Um mm-hmm. I can remember feeling like I lived in a different world from people who flocked to Nashville because it didn't have COVID restrictions. Yeah. Like I, and, and I can remember like seeing the first inklings of like, this is so embarrassing and it acknowledges how one super online I am, but like seeing the first inklings of what was going to become Dime Square, you know, in New York. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is this, I don't think it's going to show up in history books. Like, but it, it will be something that like future cultural historians like stumble across and be like, you know, what what the fuck was, was going, going on here? On <laughs> yeah. Um they they took saying slurs and made it an art scene. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like the initial beginnings of a feeling that I was living in a very different world from a lot of other people uh mm-hmm. were there. And they were I mean, they were already kind of present. Like, even as early as, like, 2015, like, if you were talking with, like, a really diehard Trump person or something, uh, but Mm -hmm. even, like, back to the 90s, I'm sure, because Rush Limbaugh was such a presence. Yeah, I I think that, like, yeah, if you want to talk about, like, oh, man, here's here's a fun lib cliche, polarization, I think that's been going on since the 90s, but... Um, but it's it's it becomes something different yeah the material manifestation of it feels like trump like a trump era thing yeah and then and then like really a covid era thing is the Mm -hmm. first time that it's like no i'm literally living a different life from you Mm -hmm. because i have chosen to live in the real world Um, right because i'm behaving as if this pandemic is real and you are not (laughs) Yeah, like you're going, and and you and also most of the people you hang around are also not, and so yeah, you're all just literally doing your thing, and I've been quarantined for months or something like that. Yeah, I have that not. Is, that's I have a not, real shit. 
I have not left my house other than to go to work or school for eight straight months. And yeah. you are still doing coke. <laughs> <laughs> I have not I have not taken off my mask in the presence of a human being I don't live with. And you are regularly sticking drugs up your nose. Yeah. In a, yeah, in well, a crowded basement full of strangers. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I remember like because I, I was in college during 2020 also. Um how many people I knew that just kept partying the whole time. Yeah. Like truly. Um, and yeah, we didn't have any bars shut down or anything in Des Moines. So just people just kept doing things. Downtown Nashville was like, they tried to close it. Um, but the, one of the guys, I think the it's like the main real estate owner mm -hmm. of most of the bars is mostly the same dude in the main, like, honky tonk tourist strip and he mm -hmm. must have done some calculation that he was making so much money from keeping his places open that he could pay any fine they threw at him that like mm. health inspectors were literally coming through every day and fining them and it didn't even matter like it nothing matter. shut down and eventually the city just gave up oh my god <laughs> well yeah. yeah but i think i think yeah to pull it back to this year though i i think that probably does speak to a material difference of like literal consciousness kind of splitting yeah. between people who spent 2020 really not changing their their lifestyle at all and those of us who 2020 was a genuine turning point year yeah um you know and then for me and then the flip side i mean the protests were i think a big part of my political development yeah um and you know that was that was its own you know own a whole thing there and i think that was a consciousness building thing and i think that's going to have i mean I, there's a chance that the amount of protest and discontent with biden about israel palestine wouldn't have been as extreme if the 2020 protest hadn't happened i think no i don't i think it's all the same people for the most part yeah because i, I mean think... i th you have a new influx of people who were in like high school during 2020 and couldn't really get super involved you know but like it's all the same people involved which is like another mm -hmm. like 60s kind of thing yeah because like, you know like 2020 could be a 68 parallel or something where suddenly you have a huge chunk of people that have experienced tear gas and yeah. like that that's going to change how they even if they end up just moderate libs how they look at the world yeah <laughs> well another another thing about it is you get this you have a generation who have kind of been radicalized like i would i would push back on on saying that like gen z are not just libs um no no i i meant they, even yeah. if long term they end up that way you it would no. still be informative is what i mean no yeah i i i agree with that um mm -hmm. no what i what i mean is like you have this generation of like left-leaning people who in the same way that like lefties in the 60s you know were moved left you know just kind of radically moved left as a generation by a set of movements that were happening you have the same thing going on i think with a lot of people like my age slightly older than me and slightly younger than me mm -hmm. um in such a way that like i think that for a lot of people who who I personally know and who I like see all of the time 
because it's always the same, you know, repetitions and ideas and variations of the same slogans and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't view like the struggle for Palestine and the struggle for black liberation as different. And I don't mean that in the way that mm-hmm. like black scholars will be like, you know, indigeneity is, uh, you know, a, a concept that like applies here and applies there. And, you know, it's all one one struggle to get free. I mean, literally in, in some like phenomenological sense of how people, young people are interacting with with the world. Right. It is all just protest, you know, in one mm-hmm. in one direction, in a way that like doesn't necessarily have explicit goals or aims. Yeah. And that, okay, that's the dark side of this. Maybe not dark yeah. side, but the uncomfy side to me is so I, I, I have to see what I think about it. I haven't read it yet. Um, but uh Vincent Bevan's new book, um Oh, he's really good. Um, If We Burn the Mass Protest Decade and the Missing Revolution. And what I've heard of the book thus far, but still haven't read it yet, is that he's actually really critical of the kind of developed protest culture that's developed, that it it since since uh occupy doesn't do anything it's just a release valve yeah well and i that's I like i don't it, know that's a kind of a classical marxist critique mm-hmm. right would be that you can't like that was i think it was fourier that that was his response to about 48 was mm-hmm. like um we have to understand revolutions as something that develop as a tectonic shift and you need to like if you're going to overthrow capitalism or you're going to overthrow the government you can't have it burn off in liberal protest movements Mm -hmm. right because the energy will just go away and you need you need that like kinetic build up of force um yeah i now i gotta read this freaking bevin's book I know. I, I, I don't now I want to say that I've not read the book. And so I think that his argument, because I know Bevins is going to be much better than that. Yeah. Um, because you know, at least I've read, you know, Jakarta method is amazing. So you yeah, know, that I, is I an amazing book. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to minimize his, his point because I think in that crude form, I don't quite agree because I think, I think I, I well, because, okay. I, I fall in kind of the Luxembourg camp that I think this kind of shit builds consciousness and that long-term can have an impact. So like the, the liberal victories and stuff are good because it teaches workers and builds consciousness that we can actually win victories, you know? Right. 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 Yeah. And that, you know, that's, that's more, I think my position, but I, I'm also, I do understand the idea of, especially, especially after 2020, because I saw the protest not do anything. And I really saw the, that, that kind of begin it begin to just fail by the end of the summer of 2020. Yeah. Um, I mean, a big part of the reason I think that it, it does fail is that a lot of these movements don't really have interior and exterior like elements to them. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I mean, that's one thing that was really, really successful about the civil rights movement. And, and a lot of like hard leftists are going to get very mad at me for saying this, I think because there is, uh, a, uh, there's a a school of thought that has taken hold about you know relative to like well you have to have the like militant wing and the militant mm-hmm. wing is is what like scares you know the upper class into giving concessions um and the the soft core of the movement is less important but like one of the 
key elements of the civil rights movement is first of all that they i mean they did have the militant wing but also like the soft core had actual economic targets right like mlk right. is still would be still considered hardcore now yeah you know what i mean yeah. like compared even to, though compared to anything anyone is doing yeah right yeah, there, was, there is no hardcore to the american left yeah really. <laughs> yeah but like but they also had people who were working and like writing legislation and doing all the boring mm -hmm. shit too, right? Like they they had people who were going in and and like uh, doing proto lobbying work, mm -hmm. um, like that. That was that was a part of like the leadership of how the civil rights movement succeeded. And there isn't really a lot of that. There's mm -hmm. a lot of like trying to get sympathetic aides in the house to maybe convince an ancient chuck grassley or whoever to yeah vote yes on a a resolution to perhaps have some senators wear kente cloth one day you know right uh but uh there is not really that and there's a whole lot of militant posturing but there isn't a whole lot of militants yeah yeah i agree with like that. Like there are there are always dudes who show up to the big marches and they're like doing the black block thing. Yeah. Like maybe they like are carrying a gun or whatever, you know, but they're not doing anything. Yeah. Generally. I mean I don't wanna yeah, don't yeah. wanna write off the ones that do, but yeah, like generally no. Yeah. Well, I mean, anytime that somebody like actually bombs an oil pipeline, it makes front page news. Right. Yeah. It doesn't happen like, very much. <laughs> <laughs> which like if the number of times that people talked about mailing pipe bombs to politicians you know were, mm -hmm. were remotely true we wouldn't see it on the news anymore you know it would right right unfortunately uh the far right does not seem to be as divorced from genuine militant tactics like if yeah. if some weird if some weird guy on a far right discord starts talking about doing a shooting he he might actually do it he might uh, actually do it yeah yeah uh man but uh, the left seems kind of divorced from like actual uh, active active Stuff. politics in the, in that sense, and I I do think a big part of it is like the hyper politics. Mm -hmm. thing, everything right? feels like, political. Everything feels political. So me walking down the street with a sign chanting is political, mm -hmm. but it isn't right. Like yeah, not not in the not in the sense of like it's actually going to stop anything. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, I, you know, okay, so I, 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 this is something that comes to mind. So, um, you know, uh, being really active in the, the 2020 protests, right. I saw a lot of the like clash against the cops. Um, and then I've, I've only been to one Palestine rally thus far. Cause there hasn't been a lot in Des Moines. Um, mm. yeah, but, uh, in the one I did attend, uh, it was really good and it was really moving. Um, but there's something I have also been bothered about, not, not by the organizers or anyone involved, but just something that struck me during it, which was we ended up kind of replicating something that happened on one of the worst nights of 2020, which was um, marching up to the Capitol building and there were like, you know, riot cops and shit like that. And then they, you know, moved in and arrested everyone, tear gassed everyone. I was, you know, yeah. running through Des Moines for like an hour trying to find a way to get home without getting arrested. It was like, it was a nightmare, right? So we had the same thing where we we had marched throughout the city and then finally stopped at the point in the same point where we were in front of the Capitol building. 
And, you know, there was yeah. some of the chants that you see in a lot of the Palestine rallies lately, like the um, insert politician, you can't hide, you're supporting genocide, stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we're, we're, uh, that's That's been targeted to Fetterman a lot. In, yeah. In yeah. And we, we were targeting at, frankly, every Iowa politician, frankly. Yeah. Um, and so, wow. yeah, doing those chants. But I realized that it felt more ineffective than in 2020 because when we were fighting the cops, the riot cops were right there. And who we were chanting at was right there, but yeah. there were no cops. They knew that we weren't going to do anything. And so it was just us chanting at an empty Capitol building. And I just remember going like, this is it, right? They just know that they, that we won't be able to stop them. Yeah. No, I I've noticed that. Um, I mean, yeah. I went, I, there was an occupation of, uh, the, senate plaza in or the tennessee like state house plaza in um in 2020 i didn't i went to like one event there and i i took supplies a bunch mm. i was still like freaked out about covid um but i and i went to the two big marches that were in nashville um mm. and i remember like i could feel it getting more and more uh out of hand like the first mm -hmm. the first march developed into a riot that I wasn't I wasn't there for. I wound up walking the way that like didn't become a riot. Oh, okay. It yeah. like forked. Um and people like I was on the one that followed the pre-planned police path and then some people like forked off and started rioting in the that, other direction. That really that really bad in night in 2020, something like that happened where we split and I ended up being in the riot group. Oops. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there was also um a significant um like uh like i remember when it started getting like really uh really personal with police was the other thing that i think mm -hmm. was different about 2020 was it was like it was turning into like a group of activists who were there who were like consistently and i i, I mean i knew a bunch of them uh uh and like but they were like consistently there they were leading everything and they like were one-on-one -on -one to the point where they like cops knew them individually that, that happened that happened in yeah. des moines as well yeah and nothing like that is happening related to palestine mm -hmm. um partially i mean i mean a, a big part of that is probably because like protesting police personally I think well, yeah, they, and, and when you go in, and if you're storming any political buildings near you or whatever, you have an aim. You you want them to defund yeah. the police. You know what yeah, I mean? You have like yeah. a material thing. As Palestine, it's it feels a little more abstract. I think there are concrete things you can do, but it feels more abstract because it's so far away. It's it's more it's farther away. Um, I mean that's that's definitely a big part of it. Um, but another is that a lot of people don't. Um, I think that a lot of the people showing up in the Palestine struggles don't seem to want to do much more than just show that they're there. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's much more of a like leftist in group thing as opposed to like, I mean, I knew a lot of like libs who got really involved in black lives matter mm -hmm. up to a certain, up to a certain point. I mean, when it toward the end, when it started getting like really out there, Mm -hmm. a lot of those people fell away i mean that's yeah that's but the, really but the it, initial rallies and i think a lot of yeah. them got radicalized by getting to witness police violence firsthand and stuff like yeah. that but but yeah. yeah this i think i think in part like a lot of the the push toward um 
you know, nonstop accusations of anti-Semitism uh, toward anyone for anything through this has done a really good job of making this feel like a hard issue for, I think, your more moderate liberals to want to go out for. Yeah, you know what I mean, that's the, yeah, that's definitely a big part of it. But there's there's also a sense in which, like, um, I really do do think that the Palestine struggle is becoming like it's very dominated by like PSL types. Too. Yes, it is. It is like the, the rally which, I went which, to was organized by the PSL. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much, pretty much everything that I've been to has had like pretty big PSL involvement. DSA has like co-signed so. everything, but they're not not really there. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the more like mainstream groups aren't really involved with it, and it's like it's it's like actual like Palestinian people who are involved and then like yeah jews for peace mm -hmm. um and then like psl um yeah and and really like um jews for palestine in on like college campuses and like students for justice in palestine are both like uh mm -hmm. left like hard left feed groups yeah. which is not in like any sort of like bad conspiratorial like ah they're they're turning all the college kids left i mean it's just like true that like mm -hmm. they they are like openly far left organizations yeah yeah right. yeah, yeah that's 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 their goal <laughs> you know which is, which is fine i i think that's great personally <laughs> uh, co-signed um yeah. but uh you know i i think that like the drive coming from there as opposed to like uh blm really felt like a coalition issue um yeah yeah, it felt like you got you got the libs and the communists all in the yeah. streets together for the most and, part. And and toward the end, like I remember there was a definitive like shift at some point over the BLM summer where it was like Fourth of July in Nashville, they did this big march. Um, and it was like, we want to celebrate pride for everything that's not america because we we don't like america mm -hmm. so bring your national flags unless it's an american flag don't bring that um mm -hmm. like and that was like i mean it, it was kind of a minor detail but it was it was definitely like a oh this is going like this is moving in a like more radical direction Mm. which again yeah, it's explicitly fine. calling itself anti-american or whatever which yeah again i don't think you and i are pearl clutching about that by any means no i don't i don't give a shit but like no but but, but that would but be alienating you are, to your run of the you're middle you're scaring the normies like you mm -hmm. are that's and and part of the goal at that point is to scare the normies right mm -hmm. which is which is fine if you can come up with a an accurate political program that is going to involve like we have to scare the normies because you know mm -hmm. we have to get rid of all the normies so that we can you know start so we can actually start like fighting police or whatever but they're they're not going to do that mm -hmm. um and and I don't I mean I personally am a, enough about like lib you know that at the end of the day I'm not going to go for a revolution like I don't mm -hmm. uh, I I don't think most of the people I know are going to actively go like I know maybe like 3 people who mm -hmm. if if it came down to it would actually like go to like start a revolutionary conflict with the United States government. Um, mm -hmm. So if we're actually like going to do politics, we have to involve the normies on some level mm -hmm. and, and they're not gonna, uh, they're not going to like it if we start doing posturing that is explicitly about scaring 
them. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's I, like I, all that it's about, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it it it's hard because I don't want it to sound like it's pearl clutching to say this, but it is also there is some just truth to it, right? Is yeah. like you do need to have like popular positions. Yeah. Like, I mean, s- slogans like have become the focal point of discussion about this, which is stupid because I don't I know anyone. Bad, yeah. yeah, I don't know anyone who is like not just actually a conservative who I know who has held any resentment toward from the river to the sea. Like everybody knows what that means. Right. Like the only people I know who who actually don't like that are, you know, just people who think who are really confused why we haven't nuked Gaza yet. You know, like right. That's the people who are who are pearl clutching over from the river to the sea. And we really don't need to care what they think. But it is really interesting that uh like multiple rallies that I've gone to for Palestine have become just like the PSL guy gives his weird PSL stump speech. Um mm-hmm. and but they become like public lectures. Right. Yeah. Like it's it's like we have to educate everyone on the varieties of of like leftism and we have to like talk about. Oh, OK, that's like interesting. That, that's not how it played out here. But that's that. OK, because I would I would find that kind of gross. Uh, yeah. What you're describing there is what I what I'll say is, yeah, ours turned into lectures, but they were generally um, various Muslims in the community telling us about like. Um, this is or or a photojournalist who went to Gaza talking about what Gaza is like. It was like more like yeah. That. We we had we had that mostly at the first one that I went to. Okay, uh, it was like there were a couple of speakers, and then uh, the they were trying like it was it was mostly um, mostly like Muslims of Palestinian descent like talking mm-hmm. about like their their relative experience or like one guy who had actually yeah. grown up in Gaza but then there were like two or three speakers that were like this is there was one guy who was talking about like i had a gun pulled on me in Akron you know two days ago at the rally there and it's like i don't think that's true uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh you're making that up I mean, first of all, but second of all, it was like, no, it was like a PSL guy whose entire job is to just like go around and, and give stump speeches at rallies. And then like the yeah. local PSL guy got up and said some stuff that was like vaguely anti-Semitic and, oh, you great. know, cool. <laughs> yeah. Good work, guys. <laughs> yeah. Good work, everybody. <laughs> and then like this, uh, this one girl got up and, and started talking about like her family. Um, and that was that was genuinely like really good. And then we marched. But we marched to the Muslim center in mm. in that area, uh, which was which was a really interesting uh, choice, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually think like, of where you're marching, you're going to the place you're confronting, or something like that. Yeah, but, um, but maybe that could be good too. I, I guess I just hadn't thought of it that way. Well, it, I mean, it kind of speaks to what I think how a lot of people are treating the like. Uh, there was another march that went to like Arconic's factory who uh, make a lot of apparently make a lot of like military materials for Israel. Um, so they mm. were like going and picketing there and there were a couple of pickets outside of Fetterman's office. I'll have to see what's going on when I get back. Um, I've been yeah. in, I've, I've been a little bit out of it uh, between like finals and, and everything. Um, sure, sure. But um. But yeah, it did it did feel like a lot of the events that I went to were way more about like building a com- 
community of like re like reinforcing leftist principles than like okay actively protesting things or like i can't decide if that's good or not yeah i can't i I don't know because on the flip side i mean on the other hand there's a degree that it's like well if we can get these we are getting these people out and so getting them you know connected and involved more and more is building some sort of left coalition but on the flip side like either why are we all out is this feels like it's a it feels like a fucking amway meeting is you brought me out to protest palestinian solidarity and now i'm fucking signing up to join psl great like yeah (laughs) or you're telling yes i can i too i too can be a sex pest you know (laughs) like (laughs) uh sorry yeah i i also have personal like beef with psl um but they're i mean i i i do think that there's probably value in the approach but it doesn't matter if it's not coupled with anything that like attempts to Mm -hmm. get people in positions of power that can help us or harass people who are in positions of power into like doing what we want Mm -hmm. um and i i mean i think that that gets back to ultimately like a way bigger issue which is just the siphoning off of the political class into being like a class of its own yeah i mean a big a big part of this is just that it's it's like no one wants to do anything because they feel like they can't do anything because they didn't get born with a silver spoon in their mouth and they don't get to go to harvard and they don't get to you know clerk for a kennedy and you Mm -hmm. know go work and go you know run for office and and or go join somebody's staff like you don't right right if you're not if you're not a part of the machine you know if you're not a part of the club you're not gonna get you don't get a set mm-hmm. or at least and and i don't know if that's true but, it's but it, how feels it feels true. It, it is feels how it true. feels yeah. yeah and if which which is it, not just right which is to say that that which is unfortunately what matters because if everybody doesn't believe that, yeah, that they yeah. can be elected or anything yeah yeah and and if that's true right or if it's true that it feels like that then all you can do is just register that you were a witness Mm -hmm. and that's what all of this is about right it's just like we're gonna march to show that we were there we witnessed it yeah we we know what's happening yeah and that's depressing i mean first of all but it's also i mean to bring it back to the media thing i mean I, i feel like it's a big part of um why like letterboxed in in all and social media in general have taken off is that you know it increasingly feels feels i don't know that this is true that you don't Mm -hmm. get to have an opinion that matters if you're not in a certain class of our society Mm -hmm. that feels like it's a class yeah if you're not and it's like even if you're an upper middle class person or like you were born upper middle class Mm -hmm. you're never going to break into it right you you have to be a person who went to the right schools or did the right thing or had the right dad who knew the right people that's all that it's about that's how you break in and if you don't get to break in your opinion doesn't matter but we've also invented all of these tools where you can scream into the void (laughs) oh my god yeah no this is totally right because this is true with with both just art and politics you know what i mean because this is yeah because because it's like i will never be a famous filmmaker so why why bother learning that skill you know what i mean or meanwhile meanwhile emerald fennell gets to like do whatever she wants 
Right, right, exactly. Yeah, right, like, so all I can do is be mad about that on Letterboxd into the void, and maybe, maybe there, you know, people will see that I witnessed something I don't like, or yeah. see that I've witnessed something I do like, but that's it. And it's it's universally true. I mean, it's not it's not like determinative by your politics because this is a big part of why online right wingers get radicalized. Yeah, right? and, and just the and first then place the, they, yeah, yeah, it, it manifests in just like losing their mind because like a skittle is gay on a commercial, <laughs> yeah, right? Or because because that's or, all that's real. That's all they can. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or or like you know getting mad that their trad wife hasn't arrived in the mail, right? You know. Right, right. <laughs> uh, which is, um, I mean, that's a uh, we before we before we started recording, we were talking about like Substack has a Nazi problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, which, which, uh, you know, I mean, this is a big part of why like everywhere just kind of has a Nazi problem. Is that yeah, like, yeah, yeah? Anti-Semitism is the poor man's dialectical materialism, right? Like, right. Uh, yeah, or like you know. Trumpism, I guess, is the the poor man's Bernie Sanders. You know, only right. in this case, it's not like poor man. It's you know the the land middle, middle petite <laughs> petite bourgeois like yeah. guy who owns a car dealership. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> guy who makes five hundred k, but is really really mad that his daughter's dating a black dude. You know, right, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Guy, guy who's got a pretty solid suburban thing, but like is convinced that uh, you know Jews are using microplastics to make his daughter non-binary yeah. or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> if George Soros would would stop. Uh, doing his thing then my daughter would love me again you know like <laughs> right but so, yeah, yeah i mean, mean uh, returning the back to the substack thing yeah i mean i mean you're you're just right that everywhere has a nazi problem that's that's why i've been kind of thrown off by the whole substack nazi problem thing is i do think it's there but um like i've seen a lot of like um uh john gans is controversial i know so i understand if people hate him but i i love john gans um, no, this is this is a safe space. This is okay. A you're, you're also a Gans fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the I'm on the Gans fan. <laughs> you're on the you're on the Gans. Uh, no, he he had a response to this. His Substack responded to the whole Nazi thing, and he's like, "This is like because there was this push going on, and he was getting hit with it. Was like people saying you should leave Substack because of the Nazis here, because they're not doing enough to moderate the Nazis." And he's like, "What? So then just turn Substack into a Nazi spot?" Like that's what it does. Yeah. If everybody leaves Substack, then that just means that's now the the Nazi website. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Which which is literally what's happening on Twitter. More and more like it's becoming yeah. less and less like palatable to be of anything left of uh center right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like I inc I see more and more posts that are just like right-wing drivel like every day. Yeah. Or they're like AI sex bots, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in part or, because, you know, people, things like blue sky and shit sprung up and people yeah. have been moving to that, even if that's, yeah, you know, which I yeah, understand. Threads. I get it. But the juice is never going to be there. Like mm -hmm. it's never, it's never going to be the same, but, uh, the, yeah, everywhere has a Nazi problem. Uh, there is no, there is just no good answer anymore. Yeah. Uh, I, f I feel like, I mean, Part of the problem is that, you know, we, we just kind of have to, like, acknowledge that we don't have any power 
over this uh, yeah. over any of it right like because that's the first step to admitting that like words are not magical yeah right like the first step is to because like there is I, I i'm not i forget like where i'm where i'm pulling this from but somebody has said word magic in relation to like leftist claims before mm-hmm. but it is true that like we do like tend to believe that if we just come up with the right combination of magic words and chant them the world is going to be like fixed um yeah and the first step to getting away from that is admitting that no we can't we can't fix any of this yeah we're not we're not Not gonna have a revolution on twitter there's no way you know that like we're not gonna start subtack substack 2.0 and that's gonna be the vanguard party like, no and we're not we're not going to do that with like having a bunch of speakers gather in the park and talk about how bad everything is like at some mm-hmm. point you actually have to do something um mm-hmm. which is i mean you know which i will say for like psl um like they they are actually doing things it's just that they they do them so divorced from like any practical political program that it's like mm-hmm. not not functionally an option Um, yeah um, and and that's like and i say all this and i'm just gonna go home and like post on my little substack you know my my personal nazi platform you know uh, i mean this is this is i think why this conversation has been really interesting even though like you know we wanted to focus on like oh 2023 and media but it's become a little bit it's a little meta now at this point i think that that's a thing yeah I, i think that we've I think that we've been talking about this longer than we actually talked about movies. <laughs> yeah, it's and that's fine because I think what I'm the thing is, okay, at the end of the day, my my skills and also what I do is predominantly produce media, right? Like yeah. that's my that's my at least hobby. It doesn't make me enough money to be my job, but it's the thing I do with my time is is produce media in some sort whether it's it's what you know this podcast you're listening to right now whether it's you know it's, you know the YouTube video essay or the Substack I write. Um, but I'm also damn well aware that I'm enough of a materialist to know that I'm not causing anything, you know, by doing this necessarily. Yeah, right. Right. Words, like I'm not, words are not magical. Like you're, and you know, I can yeah. tell myself things that I do believe are also true, which is that like, I do think consciousness raising is a thing. I do think that the left wing shift we have witnessed culturally is in part a result of, of media as well in adjusting media. Um, I don't think it's just material conditions necessarily. And so I can defend myself on that front, but at the end of the day, like I know the extents of like, this only goes so far, you know, like listening to every fucking leftist podcast out there only goes so far. Now you might know what's going on in the news, but it's not like we're not changing anything. All we know how to do is talk and analyze. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I really liked, probably the only podcast that i've listened to that i that i actually liked talking about the gaza situation was michael s judge uh the um mm-hmm. when when he did a an episode of um death is just around the corner about um called eyeless in gaza uh, i think it's unpaywalled if anyone wants to go listen to it it's okay. he's on patreon only but it this one this one's in front of the paywall and he um I mean, his his ultimate take was like, yeah, there's there's literally nothing we can do. So it's our job to be eyes in Gaza. And like eyeless in Gaza is a line from Samson Agonistes um, Mm -hmm. by John Milton, uh, who right where like Samson has been blinded and he's, you know, pushing on the pillars 
Um, so he is literally standing there eyeless in Gaza, and the whole world has decided to be eyeless about Gaza. So it is our job, as it is the only thing we can do, to be eyes for Gaza. And I do mm-hmm. think that that has some value, right? Mm-hmm. Like that it has to, yeah. because if it doesn't, I'm going to jump off a bridge tomorrow. Because right. It's like, you know, it's, uh, but, but there has to be, more. there has to be more. This is, this is the thing. I, I don't remember. Um, this is so funny because I know that I know this from a tweet from Luke Savage where he's paraphrasing a quote he half remembers. So this is a game of telephone. But, um, you know, there, the quote was that liberalism boils down to um, bearing witness to suffering, that that's the only right. thing possible politically is to bear witness to suffering. And the thing that I, I'm torn about that quote is I think that there's also that that's not necessarily bad. I think witness like witnessing like bearing witness to suffering is a good thing and needs to take place you know what i mean but like what you said is exactly it right there has to be something more yeah and and you know uh there gets to be the question of like how much can you do at the global scale which is always i i i mean i think that like if we want to get it into the even bigger issue it's the like we live such interconnected lives in a nation. I mean, America alone is so big, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it's very difficult. I'm expected to have. I guess no one's really expecting me because, like, as we already established, my opinion doesn't doesn't matter. I'm a little amoeba uh, in the grand scheme of <laughs> the grand right. scheme of you know the violence of history. Um, but like, I can have extremely strong opinions about what is happening related to land development in Berkeley, California. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's amazing compared to most of human history. Yeah. But it's also like, there is nothing I can do about that. And I'm sure that there are things I can do in my own community. Like I can feed the homeless or I can get involved with my local, like mm-hmm. I'm friends with one of the democratic precinct chairs in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately like that's, probably what like the actual future looks like is what he does and did which is go around i mean this is when everybody's still like john fetterman uh so Mm -hmm. but he when fetterman was being elected he just went around and knocked on doors in his precinct Mm -hmm. and that that sucks (laughs) it's not Mm -hmm. fun or you know you give give a buck to a homeless guy you know every once in a while Mm -hmm. you know and you you go work at your local soup kitchen Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, you watch the news and you try not to sob, uh, <laughs> and yeah. like that's that's it, you know. Um, I mean that was that was Mike Davis's like last message to everybody was like, "What does mm-hmm. real solidarity look like? It looks like giving up your seat to the woman with three kids who's getting on the bus," you know. Yeah, I do think that that there's some some truth to that where it um there is a, a degree that, well, what, what can you do? There are some initial steps, which is, um, you know, age, your fellow man to be cliche, you know, like yeah, you be, be, um, you know, the, the w- part of the situation we're in right now, something we didn't even touch on, but is, is a big aspect of what we're talking about is the erosion of communities. Yeah. Um, in, in, 
public life, whatever, and kind of that getting pushed onto online, um, which is, you know, it has its positives, but it's mostly a negative thing. I think, um, like the, the biggest step I think like toward a long-term goal is, uh, those, those little, little ways that you can try to rebuild a sense of community and solidarity within your own life and with other people, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, that I don't think those are insignificant. I remember, um, listening to something at one point about, um, Olende in Chile before the, uh, Pinochet coup. Yeah. Um, and a big part of his, uh, what, what the historian that was getting interviewed, I'm going to put this in the show notes when I remember it all. Uh, story in getting interviewed was saying was that it, this this kind of democratic socialist boom that took place in Chile was met with a lot of these little everyday revolutions, which is not like going out and burning shit down necessarily, um, but just a a guy learns to stand up to his boss for the first time because right. you know there is a general shift in consciousness taking place you know, people actually unionizing. And that's where I look at like the strikes taking place and stuff like that. And I do have a sense of hope about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just like Chris Smalls as a, as a Mm -hmm. figure, if we want to talk about like one dude. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are people who are like active on the national political scene who give me a lot of hope. He's one, um, fuck, he pulled the fire alarm. He's a Senator from New York or representative from New York, pulled the fire, Jamal Bowman, Right. I yeah, love yeah, yeah. I love Jamal Bowman. Like I mean I'm a huge fan of Ralph uh Raphael Warnock. Oh, can you give me one second? Yeah. No, I mean there are like individuals who are like uh who who things seem to be going really, really well. Um mm-hmm. in in some strange ways. Uh and they're they're like little little rays of light everywhere. There are to quote the great Jordan Peterson, there are cathedrals everywhere for those with eyes to see. <laughs> And well, uh, that... oh, good. yeah, and like, you know, in in art, uh, I mean, I think I, I do think all the time and I thought about right after uh, the um, march or the one of the like things I went to see in Pittsburgh, uh, I thought immediately about like the Didion quote as I was leaving from uh, mm. toward Bethlehem, where she's like, at some point. You know, we had set the rules of the game, but at some point we forgot the children how to play them or to te- we forgot to teach the children how to play mm-hmm. the game by the rules that we had set. Um, and I think about that a lot, but I also I mean, I, I think a lot about how um, it, it does seem like there are these little rays of light everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there there is um, hope. It's just it's not. Well, if you take Mark Fisher seriously, right. Um, it's not the, whatever the future is, is something we can't imagine. We just physically, you know, (sighs) that doesn't mean we don't hope for it. We don't strive for it. Right. But it's, uh, it's something we, we can't possibly envision, but it's coming. I mean, you can really sense whatever this, whatever it is in the air that there's something happening, whether that's, you know, going to be you know, small scale or not. I don't know. I don't think that necessarily means the the fall of the American empire or something like that, but like something's happening and, you know, and something will happen just because of the predictions of climate change. We know, we know something is going to have to happen in the next 50 years, but I have no fucking idea. Yeah. what. <laughs> New world is being born. It's been being born yeah. for a fucking while though. <laughs> the morbid symptoms. Yeah. Mm. Uh, 
The crisis consists precisely in the fact that the old world is dying and the new cannot be born. Into this vast interregnum, a great variety of morbid symptoms appear. Mm -hmm. um, and then Zizek misquoted that. Uh, intentionally misquoted it as the old world is dying and the new world struggles to be born. Now is the time of monsters. That's right. Uh, and that's like, I, I kind of prefer the first one, uh, if mm. I'm being honest. Because like, I mean, it is a time of monsters. Uh, you know, we had far right prime ministers across Europe. Uh, mm -hmm. Trump stands a very good chance of winning the last ever U.S. election. Uh, <laughs> not to go all lib on everybody. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, God, Trump being our Caesar is pathetic. It, it would be really funny, though. <laughs> like, it would be awful. It would be awful. Um, it would be really bad. But there is a delicious humor in, yeah, in it. Yeah, sure. You know, it's like, it's <laughs> it's what we deserve, perhaps. <laughs> but uh, returning they, to the... They, yeah, he says as they drag him off, right? Uh, <laughs> returning to the quote, though, you were saying you preferred, yeah. the, uh, you preferred well, the original. You know, morbid symptoms, they're just symptoms. Mm -hmm. and and someday the virus might be might go away you know mm -hmm. but uh the time of monsters i don't feel like i can i don't feel like i can kill a monster but i feel like i can feel like i can take an advil you know morbid symptoms fuck it that's the name of the episode Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> all right well um i guess moving to wrapping up here but i would say um i mean do you want to do you want to plug anything as we're wrapping up here Yes, I do. I um so if if anyone can stomach using Substack after we exposed it for being a horrific Nazi app, I do Nazi infested app. Yeah, Nazi Nazi app, Nazi infested app. I do have a Substack. It's called Postcultural Amnesiac. You can find it at jessedgoodman.substack.com. Um I am currently running a series called A Year at the Movies, uh running from December or November, sorry, of 2023, hopefully through 2024, reviewing a movie uh, and offering some philosophical insight. Uh, my name is uh, Jesse D. Goodman. I am a graduate student at an undisclosed Catholic university in uh, <laughs> Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, and I can be found on uh, Twitter at PlatoFan402. There you go. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this was so fun, and I do, I do want to have you back on because. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, like, what well, we, you know, we were able to talk that long uh, without really a game plan of what to talk about. So, it's, uh, yeah, I had, time. I had things I didn't even bring up. Uh, so <laughs> I know, right? I, I actually yeah. didn't even get into a ton of it, but I actually, yeah. I think I liked it more because it was a bit more of a meta commentary on, um, yeah. on media consumption in the last year and how it feels right yeah. now. But, and don't um, worry, don't worry, folks. If you thought this year was bad, wait till you see what the writers have in store for 2024. <laughs> <laughs> this season's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you so much, Jesse, for joining me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Fruitless. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help us out with the algorithm. If you really like the show, you can check out the show on Patreon. Uh, there is a link to that in the show notes. And speaking of Patreon, this show would not be possible without our lovely patrons, who include... 
Gavin Aronson, Stephen, aka Spike Stonehand, The Worst of All Possible Worlds, Moss, Kyle Gannis, Thomas C., James R., Leo Zachary Dickinson, and of course, Chris Barker. I will uh, see you later this month with another uh, episode on the main feed and hopefully a few more Patreon episodes.